Hey, we have been in this series called Winning the Battle or War of the Mind. Um, I'm going to, full transparency here, you ready? I had no idea. When I started this series, I thought I was going to be teaching on our thought processes and, and all this other stuff. And uh, I had no idea that this series was going to be as impactful as it has been. Let me tell you something, pastors, we, uh, we're not always as confident as you think we are. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's every Sunday I'm asking my wife, uh, is that okay? And that's just something we do, you know. Um, but I was amazed last week on that, uh, uh, on popularity shadow. I think it's been shared more than any video we've had in a while and been viewed more than any we've had in a while. And I've gotten messages from all over the place of, of I'm like, okay. And you say, well, well, why was that surprise you? Because sometimes you don't realize that people are going through something. And I'll be honest with you, I've asked the Holy Spirit before, why am I preaching this? Why am I, he said, and he said, well, I know what I'm doing. I'm like, I, I know you do. I'm not doubting that, but sometimes I like a little insight to the thing. And uh, so I just I want to encourage you, uh, especially over the next couple of weeks, because it's going to get fun. Go, if you will, to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. We're going to read from the expanded Bible. And again, if, you know, if, you, if you've been here, you know what the expanded Bible is. It is a Bible that gives you so many definitions in the middle of a verse it makes a verse quite long. It says, do not be shaped by, conformed to, pressed into a mold by this world or age. Instead, be changed within, transformed by a new way of thinking or changing the way you think, the renewing of your mind. When you, then you'll be able to decide, discern, test, and approve what God wants for you is God's will. You will know what is good and pleasing to him and what is perfect. But the only way we can do that and know the will of God, approve the will of God to work and operate in our lives is if we first do what? Change your way of thinking. You know, the word uh, repent gets thrown around a lot. Um, you know, that... Oh, just look and smile. You know, that word is really not for people who have not accepted Jesus. Theirs is born again. Repent means change your mind. It's the word, actually it's the Greek word metanoia, which means a changing of a mindset, a changing of a thought process. That is something that is continually ongoing. Now, when people come into a, a, a belief in Jesus, do they have to change their mind about a lot of stuff? But the thing is, is we as believers need to spend a whole life in repentance because we believe things about ourselves that is contrary to what the Word of God says. And when we believe about ourselves anything that the Word doesn't say about us, it's time to repent. It's time to change your mind. You got to start thinking the way the Word tells you to start thinking. Now again, when, when we're talking about people coming into the belief, doesn't mean that they don't, they're not changing their mind too. But we one time, we so many times want to just push that off onto just them. They need to repent. Folks, we all need to repent. We all need to do a lot of repenting because our mindsets get changed. And I like what he says. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing. It's about changing mindsets. And if we don't start changing some mindsets in our lives, we're going to be held hostage by those mindsets all of our life. And I tell you, sometimes we need to get just, when you get fed up, you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And uh, the only way that changes is when we begin to change our mindset. Uh, remember, thoughts, my thoughts can be either my best friend or my deadliest enemy. Amen. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 
1 Corinthians chapter 10, look at verse 4. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, or they're not of the flesh. That's what that word carnal means. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down what? Imagination. See, now he tells us what the strongholds in your life are. People say, well, no, this is a, a, a stronghold in my life. Or no, this is a stronghold in my life. No, this and this are a result of the bad up here. What happens when out of here is just a reaction of what goes on in here first. What I do in the flesh is just a reaction that I have not got my mindset changed yet. So he said, he, uh, he said casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. What's the knowledge of God? It's the Word. So anything that is opposite of what the Word says is something that needs torn down. So anything I believe or you believe about ourselves that is contrary to what the Word of God says, that's the knowledge of God, needs to be torn down. Our problem is we embrace wrong thoughts. And when we hold on to wrong thoughts, and we hold on to to, to wrong belief systems and wrong mindsets, it holds us hostage. Isn't Isn't it funny? How the only thing that's holding some of us hostage are just the things that's going on between our ears. Amen. There can be freedom found here, folks. Look what, look what else he says. Casting down imagination is every high thing exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. In other words, you have to become the prison master of your thought life. You have to determine what thoughts are allowed to move around freely in your mind and what thoughts you're going to take control of. Our problem is, Emily, is we've got too many thoughts that move around freely in our heads and they do all this other stuff to us and they tell us who we are and they tell us what we are. They tell us what we can have, what we can't have. They tell us where we can go, where we can't go. They tell us all these things you'll never have, you'll never be. God can't love you. You, you believe this, this, and this about yourself? God can't deal with you. God can't make it right with you. Come on. Those are things that are moving around in your mind that you have to get control of. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is complete. Over the next two weeks, I'm going to talk about a subject, but we're going to look at the mindsets that gets us there. We're going to look at the mindsets that gets us there. We'll call these part one and part two of pessimism's pathway. Pessimism's pathway. Let me tell you, I wrote pessimism so much this week, I kept looking at it and said, that can't be spelled right. Too many S's, too many, I was like, man, that, go ahead, try it sometime. <laughs> but we're going to talk about what gets us to the point of pessimism. Because unfortunately, that is where so many people live. <laughs> so what is pessimism? Pessimism is the tendency uncontrolled thoughts to see, anticipate, and emphasize only bad, undesirable outcomes. I know that's not you. You are the most positive person in the world. You are always up. You're never down. You're always chipper, you know. But it says it's, it's the tendency to see or emphasize only bad, undesirable outcomes. So when you look into the future of your life, what do you see? Are you seeing only the bad? Well, if anything's going to go wrong, it's going to happen to me. Well, that's just the way it goes with my family. We've never been lucky. You don't have to be lucky. You're favored. You're a child of God. But see, if we're stuck in pessimism, we, our tendency, our natural tendency is, man, there's too many people smiling too big at me today. 
If we're stuck in pessimism, too many times we just want to see the bad. And we can only see the bad. And that is no way to live. <laughs> he goes on to say, it's the results, out conditions, or problems. The tendency to see or to anticipate undesirable outcomes. I don't know if you're ready for this next part of this definition. It's the doctrine. What's that mean? It's belief system. If a church has a doctrine, it has a belief system. That's their belief system. It is the doctrine that the existing world is the worst of all possible worlds and that all things naturally tend toward evil. I know there's no Christians in the world thinking this way today. We, I think we're going to, Perry, we're going to have to work on that song. What a wonderful world. I see trees of green, red roses too. No, no, no. I see this is bad with the world and this is bad at the world. If there's ever been a time when God, if, if God doesn't come back soon, then he's going to have to apologize to so-and-so. Let me tell you something. God is not going to have to apologize to nobody just because you're pessimistic about the outcome of the world and you're pessimistic about what your God can do in the world and you're giving up on what everything else says. Don't think God will ever have to apologize to you for anything. Oh, come on, somebody. Well, if it gets any worse, pessimist, what God do you serve? Come on, don't get quiet on me. It was quiet last week. <laughs> the doctrine that the existing world is worst of all, is the worst of all possible worlds. Or that all things naturally tend toward evil. If that's how you think, you have a, already walked into pessimism. And it's a doctrine, it's a set of beliefs that you already hold. <laughs> Matter of fact, uh, Bobby, hit that. Check this guy out. Check, check. Yeah, so I had a uh, flat tire the other day, and as I was getting it changed, it, it really hit me. We are so much, we are so much like, like tires. And, and, so I, and so I wrote a song about it called Change. You gotta have hope. I'm telling you things, they will get better. Cause people can change, they do get better Oh, you know they can change Like the spring rain turning the grass back to green Mean people don't always have to stay mean Like caterpillars turning into butterflies You and I, we can metamorphosize Cause we can change Everyone can change Maybe not everyone Some people have a harder time with change than others Am I talking about my sister? Am I talking about my brother? No, I'm talking about you I think you know who you are Let's talk about the things you haven't changed so far Like the way you interrupt me when I play my guitar Or how you leave your styrofoam coffee cups all over my car Or what about your shoes? You know, they're still all over the place I nearly tripped the other day, I nearly broke my face And what about, what about the baby talking in front of my friends? What is that? When is that gonna end? Yeah, I'll tell you when, it, it's not gonna end You're never gonna change, there is no hope I don't even know why I said that. Cater caterpillars and butterflies and metamorph metamorphosize? <laughs> what does that even mean? Change isn't possible. There, there is no home. Give, 
give up on hope. If you give up on hope, then you'll be happy. Whatever. And that's the way we do it. We start out good. We start out positive, man. Everything's looking bright. And then all of a sudden, we'll remember something. Because we've already stepped over into pessimism. And so what our job is, as followers of Christ, is we've got to start pulling back from some of this stuff. I love how you could see the change in his face when pessimism came back. What does it look like in my face? What does it look on your face? And so when we look at this, have you ever met somebody, and I don't care how good looking they are, how beautiful they are, how handsome, how hot, whatever word you want to use. The moment they open their mouth, they are not quite so much. You ever been around somebody and you, man, you have, you, you're on a, you're happy. And about five minutes around them, you're like, because they're like Eeyore always running around looking for their tail, you know? Oh, bother. You see, there's a person, or you just got somebody that all they want to do when they're around is they want to complain. See, that's the pessimism. They've already walked over into this pessimism. Are y'all okay? Yeah, this stuff actually is in the Bible. And, 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 and the Bible cares about your uh, mental health as much as he does your spiritual health. He wants you whole. But the thing about it is, we have to remember our outlook will completely determine our outcome. Your outlook is going to determine your outcome. So let me ask, what's your outlook? Are you always mad? Always angry? Always? Well, how do I, how do I get to that? What's the, usually the first step that I get to a pessimistic mindset? Because pessimism is pretty set. But I didn't get there instantly. See, I had to take some critical steps first. And this is what, one of the first things we all do as we move over into pessimism and to get on the pessimism's pathway. Let me tell you, that's going to be hard to keep saying. To get over on the pessimism's pathway is we all take critical steps. You say, well, what do you mean you take critical steps? That's the first thing you do. You start to criticize everything. You become a critical person. Come on, people. Just look forward. Nobody knows this is you. <laughs> right, Brenda? All right. So what does it mean to be critical? Well, Webster says in, in 1828 Dictionary, he said, it's inclined to find fault or judge with severity. It's an inclination. In other words, it's your natural bend that you just look to find fault or you look to judge, and you don't just judge, you judge with severity. Come on. Somebody. I, I read another definition. I couldn't remember where it was from. But it's dwelling on the perceived faults of others without any regard to their good points. So if I'm going to take critical steps, what I'm doing, Zach, is I'm moving over here to begin to criticize and I will criticize you, I will criticize the church, I'll criticize my job, and I better believe that I'm going to criticize myself. Because I can't criticize everybody else unless I know I'm really criticizing me. Come on. And so it's an inclined to find fault. You ever been around somebody like that? That they can, no matter how good things are, they're going to find something bad about it. They're going to find something wrong. They're going to find somewhere to criticize it. They're going to find some way to be judgmental about it. And here's our problem is we're all sitting and we're all saying yes because we're thinking of somebody else. And it's really about me. It's not about somebody. Everybody say, this ain't about nobody but me. So quit thinking about everybody else. I'm talking straight to you this morning. Straight at you. I wrote this message. Holy Spirit wrote this message with you in mind. We're inclined 
to find fault. And here's the things we say. I'm the least judgmental person I know. And we believe that about ourselves. I'm the least judgmental person I know. I'm not a judge. What do I got to say about it? And we say these things until someone does something that we don't approve of. Hey, let me tell you, the church has been real good at this. Try, they, they get it. I'm going to come over here again. The church has been really good at this. I don't judge nobody until they do the thing that I wouldn't do. Well, I wouldn't do that. And that's what we do. We cross our arms, look down over the top of our glasses, and give them one of these. Oh, come on. If we don't pick on the church, we, it won't grow. <laughs> and, and so once they do something that, that we wouldn't do, then we sit back. Let me tell you, this happens in churches too. Once the joys of being a pastor, once you make a decision, you need to do something, everybody sits back, I wouldn't have done it that way. Ain't no way I'd have done that. That's never going to work. Oh, no, you won't come to me and say it. You'll go to Ruth. Or you'll go to D because you're afraid of what I'll say to you. <laughs> but we do our kids this way. We do our spouses this way. We sit back and we go, ah, I wouldn't do it that way. Not me. Mm -mm. I would never. No, you just do your wrongs another way. And here's what we do. We won't ever go. And so what we do is we find people who will listen. So Tyler does the very thing that I think is, ugh. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back here and talk to Kevin. And Kevin, let me tell you, I'm really worried about Tyler. Oh, really? Why are you worried about Tyler? Well, he does the uh. Oh, he does the uh? Yeah, he does the uh. Well, I wouldn't do the uh. I wouldn't do the uh either. Well, we need to pray for it. We, we disguise it by concern. No matter what we disguise it by, it's still severely judging them without the consideration of the good. Oh. And so now me and Kevin jump over here and we talk to Joe. Joe, what do you feel about the uh? Oh, I don't like the uh. Well, did you know Tyler does the uh? No, I didn't know Tyler does the uh. <laughs> what we really need to do is pray for him. Oh, yeah, well, we really need to pray for him. Then we jump over here to Galen. Galen, what do you feel about the uh? Oh, the uh don't bother me. Oh, well, okay. Hey, Brenda, how do you feel about the uh? She don't like the, uh, okay, hey, you two, come over here with me. We'll go talk to her. <laughs> Does this not describe church? Does this not describe our homes? Does this not describe our families? Does this not describe our jobs? Go to Numbers chapter 12. The, uh. Tyler, I don't know what the, uh, is, but you shouldn't be doing it. Y'all Okay. I'm telling you, these things will cause you to grow. Numbers chapter 12, verse 1. And Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. Uh-oh. His brother and his sister spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he married, for he had married a Cushite woman. Cushites were Ethiopian. In other words, they were married at him because he married outside of his race. Well, you better watch it. You'll find out here just, you know, anyhow, we won't jump in there. We'll let God deal with you. They were married at him, for he married a Cushite woman. Go to verse 2. And they said, has the Lord spoken only by Moses? Now what they're saying is, hey, God talks to us too. We're just as good as he is, and he married her. 
God, I'm just as good as him. He puts his pants on, his robe on one leg at a time, head at a time, the same way I do. What makes him supposed so special? God talks to me too, and he's got her. Oh, no, we never do this. See, this is road to the pessimism. It's critical steps like this. He says, has he not spoken by us also? And look what happens at their complaint or their criticism. And the Lord heard it. Who heard it? Didn't matter if Moses heard it. Didn't matter if Aaron heard it. Didn't matter if Miriam heard it. What mattered was when I jumped over into criticism, the Lord heard it. Would we criticize our own brothers, sisters, husbands, wives, children, friends, half-step stranger-in-law? Would we spend time criticizing them if we really believed that God hears it? Well, it's just a righteous anger. Is it? Or is it just another chance to gossip? Yeah, but we're going to pray for them. I really wonder how much time was spent praying. Well, let's pray for them later. Okay, we'll do that. Why don't you just stop right there and just pray? Or why couldn't I say, ooh, Tyler's doing the ugh. Kevin, let's be you pray for Tyler. Why? I, just, I, just, I think we just need to pray for Tyler. I don't have to tell him about the ugh. That way he don't have an idea about the ugh, and he's not giving him the side eye. If it was really about prayer, I wouldn't have to tell why we're praying, just that we're going to pray. Anybody else want a pastor's job? And the Lord heard it. Verse 3. And the man Moses was very humble, more than all the other men on the face of the earth. Imagine that's what God says about you. He writes that down. And these men criticize, this man and woman starts criticizing. And the Lord spoke at once to Moses and Aaron and Miriam, come out, you three, to the tent of the meeting. And those three came out. And the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the opening of the tabernacle and called Miriam, Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forward. He said, hear now my word, if there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known to him in a vision, and I will speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He said, I speak to him face to face. I entrusted him. He entrusted with all my house. Face to face I speak with him clearly. Not in dreams. Not in riddles. And the likeness of the Lord, he will behold. Then why are you not afraid to speak against my servant, Moses? Wow. Now we should get quiet. He says, are you not afraid to criticize the one I have called? Well, who's he called? I'm looking at you. You're called by God. You belong to God. I should be afraid to criticize you. Well, if you don't criticize, then how are you ever going to address sin? Addressing sin is totally different than me going around here criticizing everything you do. And, every, and, 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 and gossiping about you and letting everybody else criticize you. Don't confuse the two. He said, Art, you should be afraid. I bet if we really thought this before we started criticizing what goes on in the, with somebody else, oh, I think we ought to stop and say, wait a minute, God hears this. Well, then I can never have an opinion. I don't have an opinion unless it's God's opinion. And guess what? I'll keep it to myself and let him deal with it because Katie is his. She's not mine. She's just one I get the, of my flock that I get the shepherd. 
But ultimately, I'm not going to go say, ooh, she's doing the uh too. Well, her uh is a different uh than Tyler's uh. Hey, Ron, what do you feel about Katie's uh? He said, shouldn't you be afraid to criticize my servant? Are you okay? But he gives us no qualms, no problems. We just run our mouth. We get mad because it's something we don't like. This happens in churches all the time. Get mad, something I don't like. Something that really in the long-term goal of everything, Galen, it don't mean anything. But because I don't like it, uh-oh. Right, Emily? Right. <laughs> What's the next verse say? And the anger, oh gosh, it keeps getting worse. <laughs> and the anger of the Lord burned against them. Why? Critical steps. And the anger of the Lord burned against them. And he set out. When the cloud went from over the tabernacle, Miriam became leprous as snow. What if we really believed that our critical steps had actual consequences? Would we still continue to be critical people? Here, it had actual physical consequences. I'm going to have to preach on joy after all this series is done. What if we honestly believe it had actual physical consequences to my critical attitude? Would I continue to do it? Sad part, sad as most of us would still do it. Because we have this idea, I've got a voice, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it or die. And Aaron turned toward Moses, toward Miriam, and saw that she was leprous. And Aaron said to Moses, Alas, my Lord, do not lay the sin on us, which we have done foolishly, and which we have sinned. Being critical of him they understood now was sin. What if I understood that if I remain a, if I remain a critical person that I continue in sin? Don't tell me I don't need to repent. <laughs> I need to quit worrying about what everybody else needs to repent of and worry about what I got to repent of, Kevin. Amen? Listen, some of us ought to be happy because I'm getting some people off your back. <laughs> verse 12 do not let her be as dead and when he goes out of his as he goes out of his mother's womb half of his flesh is eaten they were all all this because they criticized who Moses decided to marry well that's terrible I wouldn't criticize somebody like that but how many times do we do that with somebody's ugh. And we disguise it as I'm just concerned. I just want to pray for them. Well, then pray for them. You know what? If I don't like Tyler's ugh or Katie's ugh, I don't have to go talk to anybody about it. I can sit down and say, hey, God. And then I got to be prepared for God to say, I'll deal with it. I don't, folks, let me tell you something. You don't have to bring things to God's attention. He knows. Well, God, I just want to make sure you know. He knows. The sun rises and sets because of his word. He knows. And he looked at Miriam. Folks, what if me being critical? Now, here's the problem. You ready? Some of us have been critical, has been this type of critical person for so long. We don't know if we can stop. Yes, you can. You can with help, with God's help. Some of us need to find a good trusted partner and say, Ted, if I start getting critical again, smack me. No. 
but challenge me. Well, some of us don't want that because we don't want to be responsible for our actions. We want to just blow off like a, like a, like a half-cocked gun. But what if it's really meant something to us and we understand that God heard it and it could invoke an anger? That doesn't mean God's going to kick you out. You're, you're his child. But let me tell you, I've been upset with my children before. Haven't I, Sydney? <laughs> but what if being critical is just this important? I believe it is. Because I believe if I stay on this path, I'm headed straight for pessimism. And pessimism is an outlook that will change my everything. But I'm not going to get to pessimism immediately. It's going to be critical. So what are some of the road hazards when on these critical steps? There's always road hazards. Potholes. Things we stumble into. Well, let me tell you what some of the road hazards of this is. I've done some research, done some study on people with critical mindsets and critical attitudes. Study shows that it increases, being critical increases stress and anxiety. Why are you stressed out? Because you, you, because you don't like what, they, what they're doing. You don't like what they did. You don't like this. And so because I don't like this, I've got to tell somebody. And I'm going to blow up if I don't tell somebody stress. Anxiety. You're increasing your own stress and anxiety. You don't need somebody else to do it for you. Persistent stress and anxiety can evolve into mental fatigue and potentially cause physical symptoms such as insomnia, tiredness, or headaches. You're so critical that you can't sleep. That's bad. Another thing it does is it reduces our own self-esteem because we're really being critical of ourselves. Especially when we're critical of, of others, uh, we eventually start to criticize ourselves. Most of the time, we're our own worst critics. Well, I believe I should criticize myself. Really? Why? Why should you criticize yourself? Well, how am I ever going to know I need to change? Come on. It don't take a lot for me to look in the mirror and say, Brent, lose weight. But that doesn't mean I live my life going, man, you, you, man, you, you are, you are a basketball player. You played semi-pro football. And look at you now. Man, how dare, no, no, I know nobody else has done this, right? You still belong to God. When I start criticizing myself, God hears it. And I'm criticizing his servant. Criticizing his work. Imagine if I thought, well, I'm making God angry by criticizing myself because he made me. The word says I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh, what a workmanship of his I am. How marvelous are his works. <laughs> okay. Risk of depression. Extended criticism. A continual lifestyle of being critical can result in feelings of despair and one of the biggest common indicators of depression. Continuous negative self-talk can intensify depressive symptoms leading to a difficult to break cycle of negativity. I know I'm meddling. Here's another one. Strained relationships. Negative self-talk <laughs> leads to strained relationships. You know why? Nobody wants to be around somebody that's critical all the time. Being over, overly critical fosters resentment. It disrupts communication and can contribute to a harmful environment. So that's just the road hazards. But then... There's all these side streets. And all this is what? Leading to pessimism's pathway. Remember, we talked about the mindset. And what we think about most creates pathways in our, neuro, in our neurological uh, uh, processes of our brain. And, and what we think about most is the fastest, becomes the fastest route and therefore becomes our default thoughts. So on the side streets, 
Here, in other words, what's the result of me being a critical person like this? Nobody trusts a criticizer. Don't tell Tanya nothing. She will criticize you up and down, left and right. She's going to tell everybody else about it. So stay away from Tanya. Nobody trusts a criticizer. Tanya is not like that. One of the sweetest people I know, just so you're putting it out there. Brian, you're doing good, son. Uh, nobody trusts a criticizer. Well, I don't have any friends. I don't have anybody around me. Why don't nobody want to go have lunch with me? Maybe you need to think about this a little bit. <laughs> Maybe it's not everybody else, Doc. Well, here's another one. I'm moving on. Other people will stop listening to what you have to say. Because all you're going to do is criticize. And so the moment you open your mouth, whether it's a good idea or a bad idea, they're going, she's just going to criticize it. He's just going to criticize it. So, you know. Another, another thing that happens is you become seen as controlling because criticizing means I'm going to criticize you until your behavior becomes my behavior. And nobody wants to be controlled. Moving on. Criticism creates a very negative environment. Nobody likes to be around that. I don't. Being overly critical, you know what it does in the long run? It stops things from getting done. Things just don't get done. Why? Because why do I want to try to do it if all I'm going to get is a bunch of criticism about the way it was done? So let's just leave it like it's always been and never move forward. Moving on. Criticizing blocks others from seeing your value. You are good. You have some good things. You have good ideas. And sometimes they're great ideas. But what happens is I can't see your good ideas or it's hard for me to accept your good ideas because the most of the time that I have spent with you, you've done nothing but criticize everything and everybody. So I can't get to know you to see the good in you because I can't get past. Well, that's your fault. It may be. But don't criticize me for it. <laughs> So how do we get off the path? How do we get off of this critical stepped pathway that's leading to pessimism? Next week we're going to talk about something else that takes us to pessimism too. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Everybody loves to quote this. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. We don't really believe that, Zach. Unless it means about it, me. Don't judge. See, we got to understand, the moment we set ourselves over into, what about righteous judgment? I, that's okay if I could really believe that w what we're talking about is righteous judgment. For, but for the most part, it's not. We got to understand, the way I judge others, the way I'm critical of others, I set myself up for the very same Actions. I'm putting myself in this place, willingly putting myself in the place. Whatever measure you use, it will be measured again for you. And why, and why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but not consider the plank that's in your own eye? We want to worry about that little smudge on Ted's face, and I've got this big giant, my whole face is is cold black because I'm in the filth and the muck and the mire but I go oh man you got a little smudge there how dare you how dare you man what have you done with your life to get a smudge on your whole time I'm, I'm, I look like pig pen off, off peanuts how dare you come in here looking like that that's what we do with people in church all the time don't we how dare you come into God's house with XYZ in your life but here I show up with my little 
addictions to whatever my little things are. But those are me. Don't judge me. Okay. Everybody good, right? We're just becoming better believers. How will you say to your brother, let me pull the speck out of your eye when a log is in your own? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye. Then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's. I want to read verses 1, 2, and 5 out of the message translation. You ready? These are fun. Don't pick on people. Jump on their failures. Criticize their, thought, their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. Jump to verse 5. It's the whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again. Playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your own part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your face. And you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. So how do I get off these critical steps that's leading me to pessimism? One, I'm just going to decide I'm not going to be critical anymore. I'm not going to be critical of people of things, of places. I'm just not. It, 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 what a miserable life. This is the first step. Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, you are without excuse, O man. Whoever you, who, whoever you are who judges, then for when you judge another, you condemn yourself. Hey, gone. It ain't getting better. <laughs> For you who judge do the same things. Another translation says, you who judge are doing the same type of things. You who judge are doing the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to the truth against those who commit such things. Do you think, O oh man, who judges those who do such things and who does the same thing, that you will escape the judgment of God? You think God's okay with all this? Do you despise the riches of his goodness, tolerance, and patience, not knowing the goodness of God leads people to change their minds, to metanoia, to repentance? Okay, churches... We've all, we've all been in church. I look around the room. Most of us have been in church most all our lives. What draws people to repentance? Say it again, Zach. The goodness of God. What draws people to repentance? The goodness of God. Why are we trying to scare them with everything else? Oh, look around. It's the end of days. It's the end of days. It's the end of days. You should be scared. That ain't, it didn't say that. that's what draws people to, rep to repentance. It's the goodness of God. Well, you just preach a good message, a good news all the time. I know. You know why? It draws people to repentance. <laughs> Romans chapter 14. This is just how we get out off of these steps. Get out of the critical steps and get off pessimism's pathway. Here's how we do it. Romans 14. So why do you judge your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? King James says, why do you set it not? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The word judge there, it means to judge in one's own mind. So when, I'm, when I sit in judgment of somebody and I'm sitting critical of somebody, what I'm doing is in my mind, I'm determining, all right, let's, let's, let's do this another way. Is this okay to teach a little bit? What tree did Adam and Eve eat from? Somebody say it real loud for me. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. So when man became the determining factor of what is good and what is evil, what did it do to the world? Crashed it. 
Why do I think I still have that ability to determine what is good and what is evil, and I'm still not going to have a negative effect when it didn't work for Adam? Why do I think it's going to work for me? The word judge there means to determine in one's own mind as to what is right, what is proper, what is expedient, to deem or to decide or to determine Followed by the inference of meaning, my decision is. In other words, my decision. When I judge, I make my decision. So here's what it is. He says, why do you judge? Why do you sit there? You determine what's right, what's good and evil for them. Last time man was given that that control, he crashed his whole system. (laughs) Why do we think it's any different now? When are we as believers really going to say, let God be in control? Now, before you run out here and say, well, you're just excusing everybody to sin and everything. Remember, addressing sin has nothing to do with being sitting in judgment. You can still address it. And give people an excuse to sin. Who in the world, where did that stupid phrase come from? I don't have to give anybody an excuse to sin. People do what they want to do. You don't need an excuse. Man, if I could write a license for that, I would sell that sucker. Man, I'd be rich. But when I sit in judgment, I'm sitting back and determining what is right, what is proper, and I'm saying in my decision is this. That word um, despise, it means to make light of. To set it to not, to despise, to treat with contempt or scorn, to neglect, to disregard of a small account by implications, to reject with contempt. So not only am I going to look at Tyler and go, now I'm going to go over here and say, I'm not going to deal with Tyler because he's He's doing, and if he's doing, I don't want nothing to do with him. I'm better than that. Are you? Are you? Or is the little thing that you do that nobody else knows about not quite as big as his? Ugh? I think we all got enough to take care of just trying to take care of myself. Luckily, you've got pastors in this church. Me, D, Zach, Theodosius. That we'll sit and talk with you. We'll help walk you out. You're stuck in sin? Come talk to us. Well, we'll help get you there. You can get out. But how about the rest of us just say, you know what? I'm just going to love Jesus. Because it's hard enough, Randy, to just take care of myself. Amen? All right, verse 11. (laughs) Moving on. Listen, folks. I'm telling you, this is mature Christian stuff. This is not baby stuff. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. What? Each of us will give account of himself. You mean I am not going to have to stand before God and give account for Tyler's Well, if I am not going to have to give account for his Why do I have to spend most of my time worrying about his? Now, if a conversation comes up and what his is 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 a big sin, me and him's going to have a different conversation. And I'm going to tell him I love you. And I love you too much to let you live in here in this mess. And I want to help you out of this mess. But I'm not going to spend all my time because I won't give account for his. Okay. Verse 13. Let us no longer pass judgment, criticize, being critical on one another, but rather determine not to put a stumbling block or an obstacle in our brother's way. Step number one to stop doing, get out of the critical mindset. I'm going to, two more verses, two more sets of verses, we're done. God has given us a new path to walk. So we don't have to get on pessimism's pathway. 
we have a new way to walk. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love what? One another. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Mm. For God is love. You want to get out of that critical walk? Determined to walk in love. You know, let me tell you something about God's love. God is not trying to love you. He's not trying to love you. He is love. He has no option but to love you. And to every addict under the bridge, he's not trying to love them either. He just does. And to every other person who's coming up with every other sin you can think of, he's not trying to love them either. He just does. Because it's who he is. Why in the world should we be any different? Last one. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Verse 1. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I am nothing but making noise. I am a, become as a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. I can stand up here and pray in tongues to you all day long and act so spiritual and look so spiritual, but if I'm not walking in love, I am just making a lot of noise. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and I have not love, I am nothing. Doesn't matter the miracles I could do, perform. It doesn't matter that I have all faith. It doesn't matter if I have such knowledge about God that will blow your mind at the deep things that come out of my mouth. If I don't walk in love, I'm nothing. If I give all my goods to feed the poor and I give my body to be burned and I have not love, it profits me nothing. Now, here's the thing. I don't know why these verses are always read at, 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 at weddings. These have nothing. And I'm guilty. I read them at weddings too. Because it's the thing. But this is not talking about a wedding. This is talking about how believers are supposed to live their life. Love suffers long. And it is what? Kind. Love envies not. Love flaunts not itself. Love is not puffed up. Love does not behave itself improperly. It seeks not its own. It's not easily provoked. It's not easily provoked. It's not, in other words, I like the way the message translation of that says it. It says love does not fly off the handle. In other words, it doesn't get mad easy. I'm not looking at anybody. Love is not easily provoked. Love doesn't think evil of everyone or even this world. What, remember, what is pessimism? Pessimism is the tendency to think, the doctrine that this world is the worst of worlds. Love doesn't think evil. It rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Oh, are you ready? And endures all things. This has nothing to do with marriage. This is how the believers are supposed to live their life. It endures all things. And the very first part of the next verse, love never fails. In other words, you will never go wrong 
deciding to walk in love and coming away from a critical mindset that's going to lead you to a world of pessimism. That's not good for anybody. Amen?